Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree. With your host, Brandon Okuma. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Let's Go Brandon Okuma podcast. I know it's been a while, but I want to thank you again for listening. We're going to jump straight into this full steam ahead. If you haven't heard yet, Kentaji Brown Jackson uh, was confirmed into the U.S. Supreme Court by a vote of 53 to 47. All Democrats voted for her, all 50 of them, and three Republicans voted along with the Democrats. Those would be Susan Collins of Maine, Mitt Romney of Utah, and uh, Lisa Murkowski of Alaska. Many Republicans were not in favor of Judge Jackson for reasons that she was soft on crime, particularly uh, in child pornography. She didn't sentence people who were looking at child pornography as long as Republicans think they should have been sentenced. And her argument was, well... Back in the day, it was a little harder to get child pornography in the mail, and then when the internet came along, it was a lot easier to get that, so I felt people who had easier access to it shouldn't be sentenced as long as people who had a harder time getting it in the mail. So that's her argument. I think it's a terrible argument, especially with this kind of crime. Trying to justify the reason for sentencing for lesser, I don't think is a valid reason. So Republicans were rightly skeptical of her nomination. And one of the main reasons that she is, she was nominated in the first place was because Joe Biden said that he's going to nominate a black woman to the Supreme Court, which in any other job, you can't really do that. You can't just come out and say, hey, I'm going to nominate a white dude for this job or a Hispanic woman or an Australian woman because I like their accent kind of thing. You can't do that anywhere else. Only the president of the United States can get away with this. So here's Joe Biden doing just that not too long ago. Choosing someone to sit in the Supreme Court I believe is one of the most serious constitutional responsibility a president has. Our process is going to be rigorous. I will select a nominee worthy of Justice Breyer's legacy of excellence and decency. While I've been studying candidates' backgrounds and writings, I've made no decision except one. The person I will nominate will be someone with extraordinary qualifications, character, experience, and integrity. And that person will be the first black woman ever nominated to the United States Supreme Court. He started off well by saying someone with qualifications, integrity, experience, and then continued to say something he probably shouldn't have said, which is that it'll be a black woman. What I'm saying is anybody else who says this when they're hiring someone would get in huge trouble, but it's okay for Joe Biden to say it. From the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, it is illegal for an employer to discriminate against a job applicant because of his or his or her race, color, religion, sex, identity, sexual orientation, national origin, age, disability, or genetic information. For example, an employer may not refuse employment applications to people of a certain race. An employer may not base hiring decisions on stereotypes and assumptions about a person's race, color, religion, sex, identity, sexual orientation, and pregnancy, national origin, age, disability, or genetic information. So that's coming from the Equal Employment Opportunity Commissions, stating that what Joe Biden did was illegal to do. Now, not only did Kentaji Brown Jackson get flack for her soft on crime rulings with the child pornography, but she was asked a question, a pretty simple one, and the question was, can you define what a woman is? And she wasn't able to do that. Senator Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee is the one who asked this question, and here's how the exchange went. United States versus Virginia, the Supreme Court struck down VMI's male-only admission policy. Writing for the majority, Justice Ginsburg stated, Supposed inherent differences are no longer accepted as a ground for race 
or national origin classifications. Physical differences between men and women, however, are enduring. The two sexes are not fungible. A community made up exclusively of one sex is different from a community composed of both. Do you agree with Justice Ginsburg that there are physical differences between men and women that are enduring? Um, Senator, respectfully, I am not familiar with that particular quote or case, okay. so it's hard for me to okay, comment but, as to whether. All right, or not. I'd love to get your your opinion on on that, and you can submit that. Do you interpret Justice Ginsburg's meaning of men and women as male and female? Again, because I don't know the case, I don't know how I interpret it. I need to read the whole okay. thing. Okay. Uh, can you provide a definition for the word woman? Can I provide a definition? Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. I can't. You can't? N not in okay. this context. So I'm not a biologist. The so that may seem like a pretty straightforward question to everybody else in this world besides Justice Jackson and liberals when asked, what is a woman? But the thing is, she didn't want to define what a woman was because Democrats obviously have a narrative, and that narrative is that women can be men, men can be women. So you're not allowed to define the differences because they want to pretend like they're one and the same. Now, what Judge Jackson said, if you didn't catch it, is she said, I can't define a woman I'm not a biologist. Now, she used that same reasoning for anything else. She wouldn't be able to define what anything is because she's not a biologist. You want to call a cat a cat? You're not allowed to. You're not a biologist. A dog? Better not call that a dog. You ain't no biologist. There are major differences between men and women. Females who have ovaries and produce eggs and estrogen look like a woman. Different reproductive organs than males. You know, those kinds of things. Males who have testicles, produce sperm, produce testosterone, have this big, long thing, some not so long, different sizes, strapped to the front of them, two dingleberries hanging down, you know? Don't usually see women walking around with those. Females have XX chromosomes. Males have the XY. I'm not sure why that was such a controversial question to be asked. I'm not sure why any of these questions are very controversial and why the Democrats treated them that way when... If you look back at how they questioned Judge Kavanaugh and they slandered him and his family, accusing him of being a rapist when he wasn't, showing no evidence for that, this questioning for Judge Jackson was extremely light. Now, if we want to take a trip down memory lane to remember what the Democrats put Judge Kavanaugh through, why don't we do that? Strap in, ladies and gentlemen. Senator Graham. <clears throat> Are you aware that at 923... On the night of July the 9th, the day you were nominated to the Supreme Court by President Trump, Senator Schumer said, 23 minutes after your nomination, I will oppose Judge Kavanaugh's nomination with everything I have. I have a bipartisan, and I hope a bipartisan majority will do the same. The stakes are simply too high for anything less. Well, if you weren't aware of it, you are now. Did you meet with Senator Dianne Feinstein on August 20th? I did meet with Senator Feinstein. Did you know that her staff had already recommended a lawyer to Dr. Ford? I did not know that. Did you know that her and her staff had this allegations for over 20 days? I did not know that at the time. If you wanted an FBI investigation, you could have come to us. 
What you want to do is destroy this guy's life, hold this seat open, and hope you win in 2020. You've said that, not me. You've got nothing to apologize for. When you see Sotomayor and Kagan, tell them that Lindsay said, oh, because I voted for them. I would never do to them what you've done to this guy. This is the most unethical sham since I've been in politics. And if you really wanted to know the truth, you sure as hell wouldn't have done what you've done to this guy. Are you a gang rapist? No. I cannot imagine what you and your family have gone through. Boy, y'all want power. God, I hope you never get it. I hope the American people can see through this sham that you knew about it and you held it. You had no intention of protecting Dr. Ford. None. She's as much of a victim as you are. God, I hate to say it because these have been my friends. But let me tell you, when it comes to this, you're looking for a fair process. You came to the wrong town at the wrong time, my friend. Do you consider this a job interview? The advice and consent role is like a job interview. You consider that you've been through a job interview. I've been through a process of advice and consent under the Constitution. Which Would has, you say you've been through hell? I, I've been through uh, hell and then some. This is not a job interview. Yeah. This is hell. This, this, this is going to destroy the ability of good people to come forward because of this crap. Your high school yearbook. You have interacted with professional women all your life, not one accusation. You're supposed to be Bill Cosby when you're a junior and senior in high school. And all of a sudden, you got over it. It's been my understanding that if you drug women and rape them for two years in high school, you probably don't stop. Here's my understanding. If you lived a good life, people would recognize it like the American Bar Association has the gold standard. His integrity is absolutely unquestioned. He is the very circumspect in his personal conduct, harbors no biases or prejudices. He's entirely ethical, is a really decent person. He is warm, friendly, unassuming. He's the nicest person. This is a circus. The consequences will extend long past my nomination. The consequences will be with us for decades. I've never sexually assaulted Dr. Ford or anyone. The day after the allegation appeared, I told this committee that I wanted a hearing as soon as possible to clear my name. I demanded a hearing for the very next day. Unfortunately, it took the committee 10 days to get to this hearing. In those 10 long days, as was predictable, and as I predicted, my family and my name have been totally and permanently destroyed <coughs> by vicious and false additional accusations. I was not at the party described by Dr. Ford. This confirmation process has become a national disgrace. This whole two-week effort has been a calculated and orchestrated political hit fueled with apparent pent-up anger about President Trump and the 2016 election, 
fear that has been unfairly stoked about my judicial record, revenge on behalf of the Clintons, and millions of dollars in money from outside left-wing opposition groups. I intend no ill will to Dr. Ford and her family. The other night, Ashley and my daughter Liza said their prayers, and little Liza, all of 10 years old, said to Ashley, we should pray for the woman. It's a lot of wisdom from a 10-year-old. We mean, we mean no ill will. That is the sound of a broken man. And the questioning for Supreme Court justices should never be like that. He is someone who was accused of sexual assault. These were false accusations. The woman, Mrs. Ford, who was accusing him of it, her story kept changing. Democrats even brought out his high school yearbook. They brought out a calendar, which Judge Kavanaugh updated every day. So if he did something, he would write it down on this calendar. They questioned him to death over both of those. They, they asked him in his yearbook what Ralphing and Boofing was. Ralphing's throwing up. And uh, his explanation is that he had a weak stomach. And Boofing, anybody went through high school, Boofing's farting. Uh, I even use that in high school with my friends because obviously it's funny, but just ridiculous questions. And Republicans came out and people like Senator Graham stood up for him because he believed that the line of questioning that the Democrats had for Kavanaugh was absolutely ridiculous. Over the line, the things that Kavanaugh's family went through for this were absolutely terrible. And what the Republicans came out and said when Biden nominated Judge Jackson is that they're not going to put her through what they put Kavanaugh through. But what the media is saying is that Republicans still gave her aggressive questioning, vile questioning, or as Cory Booker, Democrat in New Jersey, called it, triggered a hurt in so many people. When she was actually asked about her previous work, certain cases that she made judgments on, and if she could define what a woman was, which she couldn't do. And the reason she couldn't do that is because, like many judges that are appointed, there's a political agenda, and if she doesn't follow that agenda, it's not going to work out for her. This is why Democrats nominated her, because they knew she could carry their agenda out for them in the future so that she can make judgments based off what they would like. And this has been popular through history and it's going to continue to be. Something else that has been popular, pretty popular in history now uh, for the last few years is the Hunter Biden story. So if you remember, Hunter Biden's laptop initially came out in October of 2020, right before the 2020 presidential presidential election, where many people in the government at the time said that it was fake news and that the Biden or the Hunter Biden laptop was not real, and many media outlets would not report on it because they said, oh, it's not a real story, it's not real. More information is coming out about Hunter's laptop. There's a few outlets that are saying, hey, we were wrong. The reason they didn't report on it is because they were trying to protect Joe Biden from losing the election. Even Twitter founder Jack Dorsey came out and apologized, admitted that it was wrong for Twitter to have censored any mention of the story. So if you mention Hunter's laptop on anything, they would take it down. The New York Post initially was one of the first ones to let the story out, and especially on Twitter, Twitter took it down immediately. Um, and then they continued to take down any mention of the laptop, which you may not think is a big deal, but without the media reporting it and saying it was all lies, people in the government who were in favor of Democrats calling it a lie, trying to protect the election, but now starting to come out, walking themselves back a little bit because it's turning out to be true. Many people may not think that the Hunter Biden laptop thing was a big deal or it could have changed the election, but I'm going to run some numbers by you because if it was made as big as it, 
of a deal back in October 2020 as it should have been, then I can tell you that the election would have been a lot different. This is from the Post Millennial. A poll previously put out by the Media Research Center showed that fully 16% of voters who were unaware of Hunter Biden's laptop scandal would have switched their minds and not voted for Joe Biden for president had they known about it at the time. Keep in mind, Joe Biden had 81 million votes. So take almost a fifth of that away. Joe Biden would have lost almost 13 million votes. So he would have been down to 68 million votes, less than what Donald Trump had. That's already the turning point in the election right there. Now let's continue on this. Of the 16% that voted for Biden, 4% would have switched their votes to Donald Trump. Another four would have voted for a third party candidate. Another four would have skipped voting for the president at all. And another 5% would have stopped voting entirely. Now, if we just went off the 4% that would have switched from Joe Biden to Donald Trump, that would have been a four, that would have been an 8% swing. So a 4% dis heard about this story. They didn't vote for Joe Biden. They decided they want to vote for Donald Trump. That would have been 4% is 3,200,000. So the swing would have been a 6,400,000 swing, which would also put Donald Trump back on top. So both of those situations, the 16% that said they wouldn't have voted for Joe Biden or just the 4% swing that said they would have switched Donald Trump and not voted for Joe Biden would have made the difference in the 2020 election. Just to give you an idea how close the election actually was. This is from the Electoral Reform Society. The author is Ian Simpson, who's a research officer. He stated just before the 2020 U.S. presidential election, we asked the question, could Trump win the presidency and lose the popular vote again? which with our electoral college, it happens pretty often. Just because someone gets the majority of the votes doesn't mean they're going to be the president, which Democrats hate when they lose, but they love when they win. The reason we have the electoral college in the first place is because it's to give everybody a voice. So when you have large cities, you got LA, New York, Seattle, you have all these larger cities, what happens in those places? Groupthink. People start thinking the same, they rub off on each other. So if someone's doing something dumb and everybody else starts doing something dumb, then you just got a lot of dumb people in one place. You don't have similar experiences to those who might be in rural areas. So the reason for the electoral college is to give all these different places and people a voice about who's going to be president. So because if you're one of these rural people who think a certain way versus these city people who think a certain way and you have different experiences and, well, the election goes one way all the time and you're the person on the other side who's not winning, why would you continue to vote if it's just going to go one way? So I believe this is the thinking behind the Electoral College. There's obviously more I can look into, but I think getting rid of the Electoral College would be a huge mistake. Back to what Ian Simpson from Electoral Reform had to say, though. Biden's margin of victory over Trump in the nationwide popular vote was 4.4%. So remember that 4.4%. Remember if the Hunter Biden laptop story was correctly shown in the media and around the world at the time it was exposed, that 4.4% would have been blown out of the water because 16% of Biden voters would have jumped ship. However, his margin of victory in the tipping point state, Wisconsin, the state that put Biden across the line in the electoral college race, was much narrower at 0.6%. Biden did manage to increase his electoral college victory by winning a further two states by narrow margins, Arizona by 0.3% and Georgia by 0.2%. However, these results make it clear that under the current system, it is perfectly plausible that a U.S. president candidate could receive over half the votes cast, yet still not win the election. So if we look back on the 2020 election, it was extremely close. It was probably tens of thousands of votes close which is not a lot out of over 150 million people who did vote. 
Now I'm leaving this open for you to decide. What do you think? Would the Hunter Biden story have drawn the 16% away from Biden like the poll said? Would that have changed the election? How would things be now? Would we have these high gas prices? Would we have the inflation that we currently have? Would we have been locked down for as long as we were with COVID? Would the information have been misconstrued from the so-called experts who told us that COVID was worse than it actually is? Would Russia have invaded Ukraine? It's crazy to think how big of a difference things could have been just by one election, by tens of thousands of votes. It's interesting to think about, but I think people might, might, might wake up. Well, at least hopefully they do, if they actually are paying attention to what's going on and don't think everything's so dandy because things aren't. I saw a story the other day that was talking about how illegal migrants who have been released into the United States were given free phones. Might I add, the only people who are given free phones are the homeless and apparently illegal immigrants. Meanwhile, hardworking Americans who pay taxes, y'all can kick rocks and uh, give us your money so that you can pay for these free phones for these guys. The reasoning they said behind it was to track illegal immigrants and so that they can contact their ICE officers. And just to touch back on how the border crisis is going, and this is a crisis, by the way, let's go back through the statistics once more. From 2019, the total of border encounters was 977,000. 2020, 458,000, less than half. 2021, when Joe Biden got into office, was 1,734,000, almost 2 mil. They take these from October, so from October to February so far, we're almost at 1 million border border encounters, which is on track to surpass last year's border encounters by quite a bit. So let's say that maybe half of these people who are being encountered at the border are given these cell phones that the U.S. government is giving to them for free. And let's be generous. We'll say these cell phones cost about 300 bucks. So if we did half of the encounters at around a million, the U.S. taxpayers are paying $300 million dollars to make sure that illegal immigrants get a cell phone, which one, they could actually just go sell and make money from it and then just ask for another phone. And two, the reason they're giving them to them, they said is to track them, but a lot of the illegal immigrants who are supposed to report back to ICE for the hearing don't actually go back for their hearing and are lost in the interior. So if they don't want to be tracked, you just get rid of the cell phone, cell phone and now we don't know where you are. And although we have an extremely high number of border encounters, you can expect them to go up because Title 42, which is the program that allows the U.S. Border Patrol and U.S. Customs and Border Protection to prohibit entry of persons who potentially pose a health risk by being subject to previously announced travel restrictions or because by unlawful entering the country to bypass health screening measures is winding down and Biden's going to be getting rid of that because that was something that Trump put into place when he was still in office, which was basically just keeping illegal immigrants in Mexico instead of while COVID was going on, instead of just allowing them in and possibly increasing infections, even though when Biden came to office, he allowed that anyways. While the U.S. citizens had to follow these COVID rules, we're just going to let people flow in from out of our borders. So expect more border encounters. From Fox News, more than 47,000 migrants released into the U.S. by Biden admin in 2021 failed to report to ICE. The Biden administration released 104,000 migrants with notice to report between March and August. Almost 50,000 illegal immigrants who were told to report to an Immigration and Customs Enforcement Office between March and August have disappeared, according to newly released Homeland Security data. In a letter to Senator Ron Johnson, 
Republican of Wisconsin, the Department of Homeland, Homeland Security disclosed that out of 104,000 migrants issued notice to report, which requires migrants released into the U.S. to report to an ICE office within 60 days, between the end of March and the end of August, 47,000 failed to report within that timeline. You may ask, where are they going? What are they doing? But no one has a clue. And with this border crisis going on, Texas Governor Greg Abbott has actually started busing illegal immigrants to Washington, D.C. to show everybody that we are having a crisis. Instead of them not going down to the border to check out what's going on, he's going to bring the border to them, which I think is hilarious and what should be done, because maybe they'll actually do something about it if it's affecting them. From the Texas Tribune, Governor Greg Abbott plans to bus migrants to Washington, D.C., will be voluntary. Responding to the recent announcement that Biden administration will lift a pandemic-era immigration policy that allows authorities to turn away migrants, Governor Greg Abbott promised drastic, unprecedented action to curb what is expected to be a significant influx influx of migrants coming to Texas so that the uh, Biden administration lifting the pandemic-era immigration policy, that is the Title 42 policy that I was talking about. At a press conference on Wednesday, Abbott unveiled a stunning plan that sent a shockwave through the immigration rights community. Texas would place state troopers in riot gear to meet migrants at the border and bust them straight to the steps of the U.S. Capitol in Washington, D.C., where he said the Biden administration will be able to more immediately address the needs of the people that they are allowing to come across our border. Into that, I would say knock, knock, mother effers. Ready or not, here we come. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is all we have for today. I want to thank you again for listening and catch me next time. And go ahead, say it with me. Let's go, Brandon. Yeah, they're chanting. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. Let's go, Brandon. I agree.